But now we're back in the book of Romans, and so uh, Romans chapter 10, if you're, if you're joining us this morning for the first time, uh, man, listen, we're so glad you're here. I'll try to get everybody caught up to speed. If you've, if you've been here or following online, uh, you'll be familiar kind of with where we're going with the message. Uh, the, the sermon is entitled Righteousness Simplified, and uh, man, listen, we've already heard, we heard four personal testimonies of the fact that the gospel is simple enough to understand. It's simple enough to understand just to believe. And in Romans chapter 10, again, for background's sake, what, what the Apostle Paul is doing through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, Romans 9, 10, and 11 deal with the nation of Israel, Israel's past as, as they related to God. Romans 10 deals with Israel's present and their, and their standing and, and really their rejection of the gospel. And then Romans chapter 11 shows their future, and God promises to restore the nation of Israel as a nation as a whole. Uh, He's not done uh, or finished with that nation of people, but but Romans chapter 10 for us, right in the middle of where God is specifying some some things about the nation of Israel, is the greatest chapter and some of the greatest verses on, on what I'll call Gentile salvation that there ever is. As a matter of fact, as we read this passage this morning, many of you, when you came to Christ, you probably heard these verses shared to you. If somebody walked you through Romans Road, uh, as it's called, these verses probably were part of the, the gospel presentation to you. I know it was, was certainly in my life uh, when someone shared the gospel. And so what we're learning and what Paul is doing in, in Romans chapter 10, he's differentiating between the righteousness of the law, the Old Testament law, and the righteousness that's in Christ. And what we learned last week was, in the Old Testament, to be right with God, you had to keep the law. You had to do what God said to do concerning the law and the sacrifices and and all the offerings, all the different things. If a man did those things, he was right with God in the Old Testament. And the law wasn't something that was was bad. It wasn't something that was evil. As a matter of fact, last week we looked at the, the Old Testament law, and we learned that it actually is is the thing that reveals God's character and nature to all of humanity. We, we saw last week that the law is holy, and we also learned that God is holy. And so it represents God's holiness. We, we saw last week that the law is spiritual, and last week we learned that God is a spirit. And then last week we learned that the law is good, and only God is good, according to Mark chapter 10. And so this morning we're going to transition from the righteousness that was in the law... To, to the righteousness of faith, because we learned last week, last week that Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. In other words, that Old Testament system to be right with God doesn't apply to you any longer. You can't, you can't do sacrifices, do anything to make you right in God's eye. Now, God's eyes, the righteousness now has to be by faith, and it's faith in a certain thing. It's faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ as we just heard. And so Romans chapter 10, let's read verses 6 through 13, and then I'll pray and I'll give you the fastest sermon I've ever preached because we have a lot of other things to do today. I'm joking about the fast sermon part. We're not, did you guys pack a lunch? Okay. Romans chapter 10, verse 6, it says this, but, and, and that word but means that whatever he said previously, he's about to contrast. He's about to, he's about to make a, a contrast statement compared to what he's all, already said. But, The righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise. Say not in thine heart, who shall ascend into heaven? That is, to bring Christ down from above. Or, 
Who shall descend into the deep, that is to bring Christ again from the dead, but, what saith it, the word is nigh or near thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart, that is the word of faith, which we preach, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation." For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, or the Jew and the Gentile. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Let's pray and, and, and study together. Father, we need you this morning. Thank you again for uh, the testimony of lives that have been transformed uh, radically through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you for people willing to share Christ and sometimes even pray for years and years and years uh, for the opportunity to present the gospel and for, for someone to even respond to the gospel rightly, Lord. Thank you for your graciousness and mercy uh, in our life. God, there may be people here today that have not yet responded to the gospel of Christ, and maybe today is the first day they'll hear it. Lord, I pray they hear it clearly, and maybe there are people that have heard it over and over again. And Lord, today may your Holy Spirit again Convict them, Lord, and help them to see their need to respond rightly to you in faith and full surrender to the gospel. Lord, we need you today. Bless the teaching, and we pray your Holy Spirit teaches us. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so, so let, me, let me just break down this passage really quick as we get going. In, when you came in this morning, there were a set of sermon notes. If you'd like to follow along, uh, if it helps you stay awake to fill in some blanks, knock yourself out. You can also play tic-tac-toe on that, whatever you want to do. But let me just establish this first point because it ties into what we learned last week. And what we learned last week is that the righteousness of faith is not works. The righteousness of faith is not works. And he says in verse 6 and 7, But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise, Say not in thine heart, Who shall ascend to heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. Or who shall descend into the deep? That is to bring Christ again from the dead. And that's kind of a weird, when you read that passage, it's kind of a weird, like, what, what is he talking about? What's he saying? What he's doing, Paul is quoting Deuteronomy chapter 30. He's actually quoting an Old Testament passage that deals with the law. And I want to just put it on the screen and have you read it. You'll, you'll identify what Paul is quoting. Verse 11, for this commandment, which I command thee this day, it is not hidden from thee. So the it, I, you know, we make a big deal about words around here because words are important. They mean something. And the commandment is the it in Deuteronomy chapter 30. And so God says, here's the commandment. It is not hidden. The law or the commandment, it's not hidden. It's not far from thee. It, the commandment or the law, is not in heaven that thou shouldest say, who shall go up for us to heaven and bring it, the law, Unto us that we may hear it and, and do it. Neither is it beyond the sea that thou shouldest say, Who shall give over the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and, and do it? But the word is very nigh to thee in thy mouth and in thy heart that thou mayest do it. And, and so, what Paul is doing and, and the Spirit of God is doing through the Apostle Paul, he's trying to connect to the nation of Israel. That listen, your old system still doesn't work. It worked in the Old Testament. You did some things that made you right with God. 
But now, it's all centered in the person of Christ. In other words, you can't go back to that system because Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. He's the end of it. And what Paul is basically saying is, and again, Deuteronomy 30, who shall go up to heaven and bring it unto us? Who, who will go over the sea and bring it to us? And, and he's connecting with a Jewish audience because he's trying to help them understand that Christ, Christ is the end of the law. There is no it. It's a who. And if you're going to get to heaven, go up to heaven and somehow ask God to bring down a system of salvation, you're not going to go up and get the law. You're only going to get Christ. And, and if you were to search the sea and search the deep to bring about some kind of law that would bring about righteousness in your life, what Paul's saying is, hey, that worked for back then. But the only thing that works now is Christ. It's Christ. And, and so Deuteronomy 30, it focused on the it and doing it. And the Jews in Paul's day were still trying to come to terms with, with Christ and the gospel, and they really wanted to do something to establish their own righteousness. And Paul's just making the point, you know what? Stop it. You can't. You can't. As a matter of fact, he even says, say not in thine heart. Don't say that, man, if we could just hear a, a, a set of commandments from heaven. By the way, they got that in the Old Testament. If we could hear a set of commandments from heaven, we can do that and be right with God. Well, Paul says that doesn't work anymore. It's in the person of Christ. And in Romans chapter 10, notice that in the parentheses, Paul makes the correction for present-day doctrine in Romans 10. He says, listen, who's going to ascend to heaven? Paul doesn't say to bring it down. He says, don't even say who's going to go to heaven, because if you're going to go to heaven, the only thing you can bring down is Christ. And if you go to the sea, the only thing that you can bring from the sea is Christ from the dead again. You see, Paul is making the point... That listen, Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. Remember, Christ, the, the law is fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ, and it's replaced by the person of Jesus Christ who filled it. Christ was the only one that lived sinless, perfect accordance to God's law without sin. He's God in the flesh. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 17. Jesus himself says, Think not that I am come to destroy the law. You see, many times we have this idea that the Old Testament law is bad, it's evil, it's, it's corruptible. Listen, that Old Testament law revealed the very character and nature of God. And Christ didn't come to destroy it because, because it reflected God and his holiness and his righteousness. So Christ said, I didn't come to destroy the law or the prophets. I'm not come to destroy, but to what? but to fulfill it. And so Paul's point, specifically to the nation of Israel, is say not in thy heart, God, give me some kind of commandment to do. Say not in thy heart, go to the sea and give me some kind of commandment to do. Paul's point is, don't even say that because Christ is the end of the law of righteousness. And listen, let me just make it practical for us. I don't know where you are today, but listen, uh, a lot of people have a lot of different opinions about how to get to heaven, how to be saved. And can I just tell you that there are some people that even quote-unquote call themselves Christian, but not biblical Christianity, because they say that you have to do something to be saved. You have to do something. You have to be baptized. You have to do that. 
You have, to, you have to join a church. You have to ascribe to a certain doctrine. You have to give money. You have to do something. You have to stop doing something. Listen, you can't do anything. You can't do anything. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. He alone has ascended into heaven. He alone descended into the heart of the earth at his crucifixion. He alone is God. And the only means of salvation is not a work, but it's faith in him and what he's done. That, that's the point. That's what we heard this morning. That baptism has nothing to do with those people's salvation. It's just an outward profession of what's already happened in their heart and life. And, and I hope that encourages you because that ought to take the weight of the world off. Because you don't have to keep trying. You don't have to, be, you don't have to keep doing in order to be forgiven. You can settle the issue that Christ died for your sin and that his death and his payment is sufficient to wash away your sin too through his shed blood. That's the point. Okay, and so, and so that's the first point that, that connects us to last week and brings us up to speed this week. And then, and then the second thing that we need to learn is that the righteousness of faith is in word. It's in word. Okay, so look at verse 8, and, and again, it's on the screen for, for time's sake. The Bible says, But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith that we preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And again, there's a connection back to Deuteronomy 30 and verse 14. But Paul is changing the it... The commandment, the law, he's changing the it to faith. To faith. He says, listen, it's the word of faith. In other words, if you're going to get saved now, Paul is dealing with a culture of Judaism that was rejecting the gospel. And Paul is just trying to say, listen, if you're going to get saved now, you're going to have to believe the word of faith, not the word of the law. And it's the word of faith that Paul was preaching. It's the gospel. It's the gospel. You have to believe it. And, and, and by the way, if, if you can look on the screen, and again, we, we make a big deal about words because they're important. And I know some of you maybe come from a background, this is maybe Old English, the King James English or whatever. But let me just make this practical point. When you read through that portion of Scripture, notice the word thy. It's, it's made nigh in thy mouth. That's individual. That's not talking to a group of people. Paul, Paul's saying that this thing of salvation by faith in the word of God, in the gospel, is individual. That's the blank. We'll get to the blank in a second, but just listen. It's even in thy mouth and in thy heart, which we preach, if thou, you individually, shall confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shall be saved. It's individual. And so the key point is this. Salvation... It's individual. In other words, you and I individually, we have to give a response to the gospel. It's not enough to, to, to say, man, well, I'm a Christian, therefore my home is a Christian home. Probably not. <laughs> Unless every single person in your home has come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, listen, personally, individually. There are children in a home that's a Christian home that, that realize I need to receive Christ personally in my heart and life, right? And that's the point. And, and so the word that Paul is talking about in, in, in verse 8, 
This word of faith is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what it is. You're, you're believing on the gospel. And, and if you need a good working definition of what the gospel is, and by the way, what it's not, it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, excuse me, 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 to 4. And so it's on the screen. I think it's on the screen. 1 Corinthians 15 says this, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached to you. Remember, remember in Romans 10, Paul says we preached this word of faith. What was Paul preaching? Well, here's what he was preaching. I'm preaching the gospel uh, which you've received, wherein you stand, by which you're saved, if you keep in memory what I preached to you, unless you've believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. And that he was buried and he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. The gospel is the death, burial, and, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for our sin, according to the scriptures. That's a simple message. But I'm telling you, that's a life-changing message. In other words, what it means is, it, when we preach the gospel, there's an opportunity for a sinner to receive salvation. For, for someone who has fallen short of God's glory, and by the way, that's all of us, unless you think that you are exempt from that. Romans 3 tells us that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Me too. We've all sinned, right? We, we, we've all lied, we've cheated, we've stealed, we've, we've lusted, we've fornicated. Listen, you fill in the blank of whatever the sin is in your life. And it's easy to say, well, my sin's not as bad as that guy. But can I just tell you that any sin is sin? And any sin separates us from God. It's our character. It's our nature. And the great news is that Christ died for our sin. He died for our sin. And salvation is taking that understanding and applying it to your life personally. I know that Christ died for our sins, but I'm going to tell you something. Today, I know for sure that Christ died for Jay Shook's sins. Because on July 11th, 1997, someone opened a Bible and said, Jay, can I show you how you, you can know you have eternal life in Jesus Christ? Can I, can I show you how you can know that you'll spend eternity with him and that you can be forgiven and that God can transform your life? Can I show you that from the word of God? And listen, he cracked open his Bible. He went to Romans chapter 10 and he just went through it. And at the end of that, I realized I'm a sinner. I'm guilty before God and there's nothing I can do to fix that. And I'm thankful that Jesus Christ did all the work. He died for my sin. He was buried. He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Listen, that message is the word of faith. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 17, and it's probably not on the screen, but listen, Christ, Paul says, Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. And Paul made a very clear separation between the gospel and baptism. And he said, my calling is to preach the gospel. And we'll baptize some people when they get saved. But my calling is to preach the gospel because baptism is not the gospel. Christ crucified is the gospel. 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 18 says that the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved is the power of God. And you see the same gospel message that many of us understand it's the power of God in our life because we believe that we needed it. We believe that, that, man, I'm a sinner. I'm lost without Christ. I need Christ's forgiveness. And when we believed in Christ, 
He transformed our life. He changed our life. He changed our purpose. He changed our direction. For this old boy, he changed my language. I didn't know there were more than four-letter words in the English language, quite honestly. And after about a week of being saved, well, God just kind of changed my language. And it wasn't the gift of tongues. Okay, that was funny. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 21, it says, After that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Listen, what I'm doing right now in the world's eyes, and maybe even some of your eyes, is the most foolish thing ever. What kind of nut, nut job is that dude going to stand up there and talk about somebody? You already heard it. He can't see. He can't hear audibly. He's never met in person. How, how can he stand with any authority and say that Christ alone is the only way to be saved? Well, it's faith. Because I just believe what God said. I believe the word of God is true. And, and again, God tells us that that message to the lost world is foolishness. But listen, it's, it's powerful enough to save us from our sin. And so, and so the righteousness of faith is, is, is not works. It's not works. It is an individual response to the word of faith, which is the gospel. Number three, we got to move quick. You're not listening fast enough. Number three, the righteousness of faith is heart belief. It's heart belief. Verse 10, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And so you heard it earlier, man. Again, I cannot tell you. Listen, we didn't orchestrate this. I didn't say, hey, what's your testimony? And I'm going to fit my sermon around that. That's not the way it worked. But you already heard, I think it was Nikki that shared her testimony. Man, I prayed that prayer a thousand times. But where I didn't settle that issue wasn't in my mind. It was in my, it was in my heart. It was in my heart. So the issue of belief is not just knowledge. James chapter 2 and verse 19 says that the devils also believe and tremble. I mean, the devils believe that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh, but they are not redeemed. They're not saved And so what the Bible requires is is belief in our heart. And and when I say heart, and when the Bible talks about heart, it's not your blood pumper. It's not your your organ that's that's pushing your your blood through your body, through your arteries, and returning back through your veins. And did I get that right? Arteries go out. Okay. I worked a long time in medical, but that wasn't my uh, expertise. Listen, your heart is, is really many times in the Bible synonymous with your soul. In other words, it's who you really are. Matthew 27 says that thou shalt love, Jesus said, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. Your heart is who you are. It's it's connected to your will, your ability to choose. It's who you are when no one else is looking. That's who you really are in heart. And so here's the point. Salvation, the righteousness of faith, it has everything to do with heart belief. In other words, and here's the key in your notes, salvation is internal. It's internal. And and what that means is that, listen, because it's internal, anyone can get it regardless of your external circumstances. Because it is in your heart, listen, the way you you were nurtured as a child and the environment that you grew up in, listen, some of us had had maybe good homes, and we grew up in a very positive environment. Some of us may have grown up in a difficult environment. Listen, the way that we were nurtured certainly has an effect on us, but can I tell you, it doesn't 
it doesn't limit your ability to receive the gospel. It doesn't limit your ability to receive the gospel. As a matter of fact, no external circumstance limits your ability. Rich or poor can be saved. Thank God ugly people can get saved. I'm telling you right now. Amen? Any of my people? Okay, don't raise your hand. All right. I'll own it, man. I'll own it. I'm thankful the gospel is that powerful. Listen, our health doesn't determine whether or not we can be saved. Our education level doesn't determine it. Our works don't determine it. Only faith determines it. It's only faith, and it's in our heart. In Acts chapter 8, there's a story about Philip. And Philip uh, connects with this guy, this Ethiopian eunuch, on, on the road uh, of Gaza, the strip of Gaza, coming out of Jerusalem. And, and Philip goes, and he, and he begins to share the gospel with this Ethiopian eunuch. And the Bible says, they went on their way, and they came to a certain water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What doth hindereth me to be baptized? He asked the question, Hey, I see some water. And you Jews are kind of really into this baptism thing. Uh, can I do that? And I want you to pay special attention to verse 37, which, by the way, is not in a lot of versions of the Bible. Philip said, if, and here's the if, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He believed in all of his heart. He couldn't be baptized because it didn't mean anything until he was a believer in Christ. And so listen, we must realize that we are a sinner. The Ethiopian eunuch realized, man, he's a sinner in need of a Savior. And his sin separated him from God. And only the finished work of Christ is sufficient payment for our sin. And, and, and listen... That's what I believe. Man, when somebody shared the gospel with me at the age of 21 in 1997, and you can do the math, that guy looks a lot older than what he really is. Okay, yeah. Can I just tell you that all my, all my eggs went in that basket? I realized I got nothing left. There, there's no other option. There's no other religious work. There's no other deed. There's nothing else I can do. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. And I'm in need of a Savior. That's heart belief. I, I believed it with all of my heart. I believed that God is true. I believed he's not a liar. And I believe what he said about his son Jesus was true. And I believe what he said about Christ dying on the cross for my sin was true. And the question is, do you believe that? Do you believe that? I'm, you know, the problem is in, in our culture, there's a lot of people that know that but they've not believed it. They've not believed it yet. You see, you see, the gospel puts us at a point of decision. It kind of backs us up against the wall because it's either Christ and his finished work or it's the best that I can do for myself. And that's the point of decision. And listen, your heart will get heavy trying to do the things that ultimately you can't do in your flesh. And it's just a point of surrender to trust Christ. Number, number four is this, the righteousness of faith, and we'll go quickly, is confirmed with a confession. And many times we talk about confession. If I were to ask you, well, what is this thing that we're to, we're to confess uh, because we've been brainwashed, brainwashed with religion, many times we would say, well, we need to confess our sin. 
We need to confess our sins, and maybe we need to go to someone to, to confess our sins. By the way, that's not the context. The confession that's being made in verse 10 is not confession of your sin. The confession is being made that Christ's payment for our sin is sufficient. In other words, our confession is, I have trusted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior with all of my heart. That's the confession. And, and, and again, listen, it, Religion has so muddied this water. You know, when you read through the book of Acts, when Peter preached to Cornelius, what is recorded about Cornelius was not his prayer of faith or his confession of faith. He believed what Peter was preaching, and he received the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 16, the Philippian jailer, he asked the question, Sir, what must I do to be saved? There's no record of him confessing his sins. He just believed the gospel. He believed the gospel. You see, and here, here's the key. Listen, conversion takes place in our heart, but our mouth confirms our conversion. And, and I'm, and I'm going to say some things that may be hard to receive, but they're right. Luke chapter 6 and verse 40, 45 says this, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth what? The mouth speaketh. And so listen, someone who is genuinely saved confesses that he's saved. There's no... Now listen, that's the rule. Now that doesn't mean that if you've never told someone out loud that you're a Christian, that doesn't mean necessarily that you're not saved. If you hadn't settled the heart issue, you're not saved. But there's always an exception to the rule. And I want you to understand that, listen, the, the confession that we are making is, I'm a born-again believer in Jesus Christ. He has saved me from my sin. And so the next point in your notes is this. Salvation is expressive. It's expressive. It's expressive. Something should come out of our... If our heart truly believes that we were a sinner, that we needed salvation in Christ, if we have believed on Him... Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth what? And, and God help us, man, to not be expressive with what Christ has done for us. And so I'm going to show you the exception to prove the rule. Because the truth is, there's probably people sitting in this room and there's people watching the live stream that are truly born again in their heart. They've asked Christ to save them by faith. But they're living an undercover Christianity. And nobody on their job knows that they're truly a believer in Christ. And no one in their family knows they're a true believer in Christ. And they never open their mouths to publicly confess that Christ has saved them from their sin. That's kind of whacked out, by the way. If I'm married, and I am, by the way, ladies, okay. Uh, <laughs> if I don't talk about my, my wife's right here, so I'll, I'll catch it a little bit later for that comment. Uh, if I'm married, and I am, but I never talk about the person that is my number one human relationship on this planet and how much I love her and how much she loves me and how awesome she is. If I never verbally express that, what, well, how, how, do you think, how do you think that relationship really is? Listen, if you hear me talk about my wife, she's the real deal. She's amazing. And you're going to hear it if I talk to you for more than five minutes. Now, you're going to hear about some other stuff like Toyotas and stuff like that, but 
you're going to hear about how awesome she is and how doing life together with her is really amazing and how doing ministry together with her is like really amazing. She's a better minister than I am. She's a better discipler than I am. She can read the room better than I can. And I want you to know about it because I'm not ashamed. I love my wife and she's amazing. And it's really weird that we can know Christ. We can say that we've received forgiveness and salvation in Christ and never speak his name. Are you kidding me? John chapter 12 is the exception. You don't want to be the exception, by the way. And if you are, God brought you here to to change that. God brought you here to change that today. John chapter 12, verse 42. Nevertheless, among the chief rulers also... Uh, among the chief rulers, also many believed on him, on Christ. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. Are you kidding me? And listen, the exception proves the rule. Listen, were these people saved? The Bible says that they believed on him. For sure, man. They settled the issue in their heart. Were they cowards? You better believe it. Did they value and love the wrong thing? You better believe it. And yet, they still believed in their heart. You know, the sad thing is, we got, we got churches full of Christians today that have never audibly expressed their faith in Christ. With the mouth, confession is made. Unto salvation doesn't mean that you pray a prayer out loud and somehow that happens. No, you're, you're professing and confessing your heart belief in Christ. That's what you're confessing. And listen, that's the rule. And don't be the exception. Don't be someone who doesn't confess Christ because it might crimp your style. Cost, cost you some un, unwanted attention on your job may cost you your job if you actually open your mouth and tell people that you're a believer in Jesus Christ. Can I just tell you, God's big enough to give you a new job. He's big enough to give you a new job. He's big enough to give you whatever you need. Listen, don't be ashamed of him. That's the confession that we're talking about. Lastly, number five, we're done. The righteousness of faith is all-inclusive. It's all-inclusive because in, in verse 12 it says this, there's no difference. I know we got one more point. I'll go quick. The, the righteousness of faith is all-inclusive. There's no difference. I just keep saying that, and we'll be here another hour. Some of you new guys are learning. Man, that guy, I thought he said we were almost done. I did. And now we're close to being almost done. So it's okay. It's okay, I promise. Actually, when we get out late, it's better for you because the lunch places have cleared out. I'm looking out for your best interest. All right, verse 12. There's no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. And again, we we started this sermon saying that Paul is distinguishing between the Jew and the Gentile. And what he says is in the gospel of Jesus Christ, there's no difference. There's no difference. Listen, in the Old Testament, there was a difference. Israel was God's chosen people. And it was Israel and then everybody else. That's the way it worked in the Old Testament. And if you wanted to connect with God in the Old Testament, listen, no offense, you had to become a Jewish proselyte. You had to adopt the Jewish religion. You had to adopt uh, the Jehovah God and the worship of Jehovah God. That's the way it worked in the Old Testament. But now, listen, whosoever will can come to Christ. 
Any and all that call upon his name can and will be saved. I mean, listen, how much more inclusive can you get? People, people criticize Christianity. Well, man, you guys are so narrow-minded. Are you kidding me? Have you read the Bible? Listen, anyone can come to Christ. Male or female can get saved. Young and old can be saved. Democrat and Republican can get saved. White, black, Asian, Hispanic, Chinese, Korean, German, Brazilian, and any other nationality can be saved. Straight, homosexual, and bisexual can be saved. Drug dealers, murderers, bank robbers can get saved. Listen, your moral neighbor, who you think is a great neighbor and a good person, they can get saved. Because they need the gospel. Politicians can get saved. Religious people can get saved. Buddhists can get saved. Muslims can get saved. Catholics, Mormons, Church of Christ. Listen, you name it. Whosoever will can be saved. Can you get any more inclusive than that? I trow not. The key in your notes is this. Salvation is for all. It's for all. It's for 12-year-old young girls that realize I got a sin problem. And my dad's correction in my life helps me understand that I have a heavenly father that I really need to respond to. Listen, salvation is for all. Last point, we're done. You believe me? <laughs> the righteousness of faith is immediate. It's immediate. Verse 13, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Shall. It's a promise. It's a guarantee. And so here's the, here's the point. Listen, your salvation is assured in the person of Jesus Christ. You don't have to wait till you get to heaven to figure out and hope that you made it there. You are already there. Actually, if you're saved and you've settled the issue in your heart, the Bible says that you're already seated in heavenly places, according to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 6. The Bible also says that if you're really saved, you can have the assurance to know that you're saved. 1 John 5 and verse 13 says, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know. K-N-O-W. You may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. And listen, a saved person is sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. Ephesians 1 tells us that when we believed the gospel, we were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Well, I don't feel saved. Well, thank God it's not based on feelings. Thank God it's based on truth. And God's word is truth. And so listen, man. It's really simple. It's just really simple. The gospel is so simple. The righteousness that is of faith in the person of Jesus Christ is so simple. I know I'm a sinner. I recognize nothing I do can fix that. And I'm believing in Jesus Christ to save me from my sin. That's it. That's all there is. That's all there is. The question is, is that a settled issue in your heart? You know, we've heard testimony of people that said, yeah, I went to church, I did some different things, but I finally settled the issue in my heart. That's what matters. And so I want to give you the opportunity to respond to that. I'm not going to come to you. We still have one more thing to do. We want to observe the Lord's Supper. But as part of the Lord's Supper, the Lord's Supper re really represents for us the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. It's a remembrance of what Christ has done for us. 
And so I want to ask you to bow your head as we, we begin this time of invitation. I want to just ask the room, listen, have you considered these things in your life? With your heads bowed and eyes closed, would, would you consider would you consider the gospel? Have you settled the issue in your heart? Many of us have heard that story over and over and over again. We understand it in our head. But I dare say some of us need to respond in our heart. If you're here today and you say, Jay, I know that I am saved. It's a settled issue in my heart. Would you raise your hand so I can rejoice with you? I know that I'm saved. I know that I'm saved. Take your hands down. Maybe you're here today and you would say, Jay, okay, yeah, I get it. It's simple. It's clear. I want to put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ to save me from my sin. It's him alone that can do that. I'm going to surrender me trying to do different things to secure my salvation. I just want to trust with all my heart in him. Listen, if you'll come to Christ in faith, he promises to do what he said he would do. He'll save you from your sin. He will make you his child. You'll be forgiven. You'll be cleansed. You'll have peace. If you're here today and you say, Jay, that's me. I want you to pray for me. I need to make that decision. I need to respond by faith to Jesus Christ. Would you raise your hand? Would you raise your hand? Anyone at all that would say, man, that's me. I don't want to, I want to be weird, but can I just tell you, not raising your hand means that you're making a decision that you want to keep trying to do it on your own. And we've already seen that Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. And if we continue to reject that, well, then the Lord will let us keep trying on our own and we'll fall up short. Anyone at all? Man, I need to trust Christ.